0: question for you young lady every one of the kids in this house is happy except for you
1: why is that
2: what's your problem stop it all i can say is that my life is very complicated
1: i'm sorry i didn't get of what you said this is a royal canadian movie podcast independent investigation hey there and welcome to the rcmp that's the royal canadian movie podcast i'm your host today becky shrimpton and with me i have two incredible women Roz Owen and Dr. Raven Sinclair. Their new movie, Trouble in the Garden, will be rolling out into landmark cinemas across Canada starting February 15, 2019. The film was written and directed by Roz and produced in part by Dr. Sinclair and follows the story of eco-activist and 60s scoop survivor Raven, played by Cara G, as she's placed under house arrest and must live with her estranged brother's family while awaiting trial. The character of Raven is not to be confused with the producer and consultant, Dr. Raven Sinclair, who is a Sixty Scoop survivor, but the story is entirely fictional. This episode deals with subjects that may be triggering for some people, including discussions of the Sixty Scoop and residential schools. The first voice you hear after my own will be Raven Sinclair. The second voice is Roz Owen. Thank you for joining us. Here's the interview. Okay, so uh, i just like to get started by congratulating you guys on how beautiful this film is. It's uh, incredibly challenging, but I am so glad I watched it. You also do a really great job of keeping a lot of really beautiful light moments in it, too, which I really appreciated. That soundtrack is unbelievable, and so is the cast, so congratulations. Aww. Thank you.
2: I was happy to hear you say it was challenging because... Um, and as well as their light moments, because that's I think that's what Roz and I both were were invested in. That was part of I think our our synergistic vision.
0: Yeah, and really, I mean, that's one of the things you brought to it, Raven. Actually, was was the humor. I mean, I still think of that scene when when Colin in a suit drives up to get Pippa's belongings, Raven's belongings from the protest site, and he looks so awkward. And it was that's your line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. bringing in the FBI, and then it's like, oh, what are you doing here, Mr. FBI man?
2: <laughs> yeah. And you know, the um, uh, my 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 scoop um, peers, they love it. They love it. And uh, Colleen, um, especially, was saying Colleen Cardinal was saying that uh, she loved the fact that there was there were lots of little uh, bits of humor and and dialogue that only survivors would get. And so she said, "There are lots of moments where they were laughing hysterically, and the other people in the theater weren't." I
0: had I had that experience. That's what i was saying. And Whistler, this guy behind me, he was just killing himself. And I, that's you, right? That was, and and that that's why that the collaboration that we had together is so important because I could I knew the the white story. I could I could tell that, but I didn't know enough about what it was like to be scooped, and without that knowledge. It would, I, I mean, it would, we would be dead in the water with, without you, right? Because it was that was so important to me and to, and to the film.
1: So, Roz, let's start with you, because this was originally your idea to, to do this film. How did you come up with this idea? I know you had a family member that was involved.
0: Well, the family member, um, I, when I met her in the 90s, I, I realized that I knew there were a lot of things I didn't know about this country. And... Because she she, her stories about being scooped were so profound. And so it was haunted me. and I could see the way people reacted to her and what people said. And I thought, I've got to tell a story because I think that I have the I have the opportunity to be able to flip people's thinking. and and that's why I made it. I mean, certainly, I, I'd read um, The Inconvenient Indian, Thomas King and that had a profound effect on me and and that was a lot to do with the land that's why that's why she's a that raven and i called i i called Pippa who she's called Pippa for the white people but her real name is raven and i and i asked raven at a certain point if i could call her raven because i i loved working with her so much so that's why sometimes it, it'll be a bit confusing in the conversation because we've got raven here and then raven the character
1: and then raven how did you get on board
2: well ross called me um a couple of years ago uh in the late fall and um she said i'm doing this this film about the scoop and um and i'm white and i really think that um you know i've i've heard you talk and i've heard you know i've seen your work so i just wondered if i could run this run this film by you and maybe get some ideas and some feedback and once she told me the storyline i said well, it hooked me, and I said, "Oh, you know, can you send it to me?" And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop reading it. It was like a really great novel. And uh, I mean, it was the first script really that I've ever read, other than, you know, uh, maybe the Red Sisters I read in university. but um i i was I was thrilled with it. And I saw that there were some real limitations to it in terms of um, well, really sort of indigenizing it and then scoopizing it, you know, to make it to make it uh, fit for, you know all audiences and in particular for survivors and so I asked Roz if she was open to feedback and she was you know she was very gracious about that and so I took full advantage and I basically went through it line by line word by word and uh, pretty much anything I suggested Roz was was incorporated and uh, you know even my suggestions for inserting um, different lines here and there um, she was totally open to so I was really happy about that.
0: Yeah, you can tell when they're right, like they, they're they right. And the reason that I called Raven was because I'd heard her on CBC and I thought, she's a wordsmith, like she's just so clever with words. And also, she had all this information in her PhD in, 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 in uh, Indigenous Child Welfare and the scoop and her own experience being scooped. So I just thought, I just picked up the phone and rang her, actually. And yeah. the, one of the things about that conversation that I will always remember is that I there was there's a film called Celebration by Thomas Vinterberg that's one of my favorite films and it inspired me a lot and I said I don't I doubt you'll know this film is not many people do and Raven immediately said oh celebration that's one of my favorite films I watched <laughs> it every 6 months and that was the, that was truly the moment that I thought oh my god I found my partner here and from my
2: perspective you know um I think so often, uh, you know, indigenous stories have been told by non-indigenous people, and I think that um, I think that that's fine. Uh, but there has to be some sort of um, some sort of collaboration, and so I, that's one of the things I really appreciated was not only Roz reaching out, but her willingness to collaborate to the level that she did. I mean, she really like I I just jumped right in there and took uh, full advantage, and 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 it was amazing. I really wanted to be at the shoot. Uh, but I was teaching last fall, so I couldn't I couldn't get there for the twelve days. But uh, the whole process of um, seeing reading the s- script, you know, and when you read a script, you create the characters in your mind. And being part of that whole process and then and then um, Roz even asked for my feedback on the casting. Um, it, it was just amazing to see these words on paper, these ideas, put on paper then then come to life in, in the casting and, and the film is really something else. I mean, I I couldn't have, you know, I, the people that, that play the characters are, are almost an exact match to what I had in my mind, which I just found so fascinating.
0: That is
2: quite extraordinary. I haven't heard you say that before.
0: Yeah. There's something, you know, in casting, somehow you just, there's something that you, you feel it, it's right. And it clicks and, even you know like John it was we had a connection with on Skype and we couldn't the connection kept breaking down and and I but I I watched him and I was thinking he could play this part like I just there was something about like even a poor actor thinking oh you know it's going to be terrible because the Skype's not working and nothing's working and yet there was something about him that I just thought that is Colin that's that's
2: perfect. He was absolutely perfect.
1: Talking about casting and, and that this is a, a fictionalized story about true events. And I know, Roz, a lot of your work sits in documentary as well as uh, yours does, Raven, with uh, Academia, and you've done documentary work as well. Um, what's the power of a fictional story and making these stories fictional storyline instead of telling a Sixty Scoop story of someone who actually went through this?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of room for some great documentaries to be made about Sixty Scoop survivors. And I really hope that, that a lot of survivors will... Be able to take that opportunity and make those films. Actually, I think that's really important. I just, I just for myself, I just think there's a power in, in drama. If you find the right characters and you find the right people to tell the story, you can. It's it's just a different medium. In a, in a way, I find with documentary, you're 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 waiting for the right moments, and in, in drama, you're making the
2: moments happen. It's different it's different
1: how about for yourself raven
2: you don't really script the documentary the same way um and i mean maybe small parts where we had where we we had some narrative and some you know some shots of people you know providing additional information once we had sort of gathered all the all the interviews and then and then edited them edited them so the real creative part was in the editing i think that's, that's yeah the rough editing and then the the final edits and then the yeah, the sound mixing and all of that, putting in the music, and yeah, so it's it's very different, completely different. And again, you know, I'm I'm so sad I didn't get to do the um, participate in the in the shoot part, but uh, that's going to come because Roz gave me the bug.
0: Yeah, now we've now we've got to work
2: together on another film.
1: When you're approaching a fictional project, especially from something that um, has affected so many people, what sort of a sense of responsibility do you feel to telling these stories?
0: A uh, huge, actually, mm-hmm. huge, huge.
1: And I, you know, I was. I was quite,
0: uh, you know, to be, that it's huge. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I think in a way with this film, I was more collaborative than, I'm, I'm fairly collaborative as a person, I think, anyway. But this one, I just wanted it to work. And I didn't want to do something that would be wrong. You know, I knew if it would, it would just bomb. And I, and, and so that was a different process, but a huge responsibility, actually,
2: and as an academic, I, I found the exercise of, of uh, reviewing the script with Roz to be very similar to my academic process in that um, I re- really reflect on the audience. And so when I was thinking about, when I was reading, not the first time, I read it just for me, but subsequent times that I read through the script, I was reading it for all of the potential audiences out there. Yeah, so, so that it would work for, work for everyone. I mean, and, and, you know, one of the little bits of feedback that came was someone said it's very, um, it's very favorable to, the, to white people or to the adopters or something along those lines. And I thought, that's good. That's good because it is a very difficult story. And in terms of, you know, that sort of continuum of experiences of survivors, it's sort of in the middle. Um, there were obviously some good things, but clearly some, some not great things that happened. Um, and that's the reality. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I was concerned that um, that it would be too one-sided, and I really didn't. I really didn't want that. I wanted it to be palatable for for everyone. And uh, I think probably the most challenged viewer would will be, you know, non-Indigenous people who are just not aware of the 60s scoop at all, and sort of being confronted with. Um, you know some of this emotional and psychological fallout um might be quite uh quite shocking and i did get a um, i did get a message from a, a non-indigenous colleague who said it was really really powerful and and i really i loved it and i need a few days to just process it and then i'll get back to you
0: i think I, i've I, I know when we, we screened it in sudbury and i people were in tears and i i, I was thinking wow i just I wasn't I didn't know it would have. I knew I knew, didn't know it would have that kind of profound effect because people just had so many questions and and that was uh, you know, so I feel like it's that the kind of film where 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 it's really important for us to be there and talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also found that people, other people who've been adopted, not necessarily indigenous adoptions, are also very um, can be very moved by this film. And I think, you know it, in the, one of the things that it, when I was growing up, I, I had a friend whose father really treated one of the children very, very badly, and one of them was perfect. And I could see that profound effect that that had on everybody involved in that family. And that's always stayed with me. So that was one of the things, you know, Colin, the perfect child, and, and, and Raven, they were treated very, very differently in the family. And I w- I would say that the the parents that there's a great line from um, George Orwell. It's if you want to keep a secret, you must first hide it from yourself. And I think the family are guilty
2: of that. And that's a very common common theme that uh, has come out of my you know conversations with survivors and narratives of survivors. Very common. Yeah. That that. And in my, I mean, in my own family as well, we had, we, we had this perfect facade, but then behind closed doors, it was, it was quite dysfunctional in in some levels. And at other levels, it it was, it was sort of perfect, but, but, uh, you know, I don't think families are ever that easy, but that's such a that quote is so apropos.
1: You're exploring sort of the aftermath and the repercussions of having been scooped and placed in a family and now you're dealing with adults who used to be children in these situations and I was interested in the idea of why you would explore that time as opposed to exploring say the time of the mother and what's uh, the point of view of the mother having their child their children taken. I, I think
0: because I thought that if I could one of the one of the reasons was the was the concept of, of being able to flip people's thinking. And I thought if 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 Raven the character appeared very difficult to people off the top, then if I could make it so that she so you could understand her, then it, I had the it, it would have the ability to flip the thinking. And and I I don't know you know um, I don't think it's my story to tell when children are. To, you know, to tell that that story. I think it's the backstory that makes this the how profound that hurt is. you still feel that when they're adults. I don't know if that's I, I certainly my my mum was a social worker and and when we moved from England, she I, I was a, had a day off school and I, I went went with her and she was um, apprehending a, a baby actually. and I've never, ever, ever forgotten that. There, you know, there are all sorts of things that that
2: that made me want to make this film. I guess. Yeah, and what I what I really appreciate about your explanation, Roz, is that I think that you really accomplished that um, because my own experience when I first saw the the rough cuts was Raven is very uh, Raven Pippa is very unidimensional. You know, she's like an she's a she's an angry activist she's an angry social justice warrior <laughs> all yeah. radicalized and and i think that as uh, as the film progresses and we learn more of her story she becomes more three dimensional i like that and i think that i think that for this at this point in time you know it captures a really important perspective
1: And I think uh, you guys asked a lot of hard questions and and posed a lot of uh, incredibly challenging topics within this. So I'm going to ask you guys some hard questions back. But one of the the things you guys talk about a lot in this film is the idea of good intentions. We did our best. We were trying. We thought we were doing the right thing. How do you address that with people when they have that argument of, oh, they were just trying. They thought they were doing the right thing. They had the best of intentions.
2: I'm going to jump right in here, Ross. Because um, as an ac- academic, you know, I, I encounter that a lot. Those questions are directed at me and then, you know, it, survivors have ex- have been confronted with the questions along those lines, you know, for decades. And, um, you know, as an academic, the reality is that I think it's incumbent upon us to have as big a, broad a picture as possible. And so, um, you know, to say, to say that the scoop and all, all the experiences were terrible would be really myopic. Right. we would be putting blinders on to think that was true, because I know, I know lots of survivors who had amazing experiences. And they, they even struggle with some of the narratives and the discourse around the scoop, because they loved their families and they were loved and nurtured and, and were one of the family. And that you know, unfortunately, that wasn't true for so many, and I, I would say probably the numbers that didn't experience that type of uh, uh, context um, are the majority. But in terms of the film, I mean, I, uh, th- those were Roz's, uh, you know, that was her sort of um, piece. And I just totally respected that because, again, as, as an academic, I know that, um, I mean, one of my colleagues when I uh, began frontline social work was my uh, protection worker when I was a child and a wonderful person. And, you know, what I know from talking to people who were involved, well, who are still living now, who were involved in the early stages almost to a person, Um, really, really well-intentioned, but I think that they were operating within a larger system uh, uh, that they weren't, that they weren't familiar with, or they didn't really know sort of the maybe the underlying um, motivations of that system or, or the, the, the things that, you know, propelled the system forward, the, the ideologies, um, and then a lot of, you know, as well, a lot of social workers and, you know, Canadians in general didn't had no idea about residential school history. Had no idea that, you know, the first minister of Indian Affairs stood in the House of Commons and said, "We want to assimilate all, all Indigenous people, into this big melting pot of Canada." And, and so of course they wouldn't have known that um, that Indigenous people were invested in in, uh, you know, uh, re- retaining cultural continuity. Uh, that that was even sort of an issue. They just sort of went along with the prevailing, uh, you know, ethos of the day. I think any point in the film where where there was an opportunity to sort of broaden the perspective is an important one. And you know, and it's a small it's a small little piece about the good intentions, but I know they were there as a survivor. And you know, if if you know, there was a time where I was in a lot of pain and I I wasn't able to see that. But I know even my own my own mother had good intentions, even though um, it was a pretty problematic um, relationship I had with her.
1: Thank you.
0: And I, I also think it's, it's the colonialism. It's what, that's what the country was built on. And so we came and we wanted the land. So we took it, put people in, you know, Indigenous people into residential schools, really. And that John A. McDonald, that's like to make people white. And that's what, so that's what the whole '60s scoop was about. It was after the, you know. So I I think the the actual parents had good intentions, but I don't. I think there there was a lot of problematic things that happened in in the stories, the family, the our our, our family the, the, of the film. You know, they certainly made a lot of mistakes. They keep talking about how 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 perfectly they did things, and actually, they made some makes they made, made mistakes for sure. You know, like you don't treat one child better than the other, and you know it's not it's not that they deserve all the fault, but that there are the, the we as the people who who live in this country who we are responsible, and I think we need to step up, otherwise there's no hope. So I I don't I I actually don't think of them as being so perfect. So I don't maybe that's just.
2: It was not my intention. Well, um, and on the other end of the spectrum, so there's, you know, there's the um, the crime that took place, and um, and then the response to it on the on the part of the father. It, that's sort of a, glim- a glimpse or a glimmer into it. It it sort of pays homage to the reality that not everyone did have good intentions. Yeah, there were foster families and adoptive families that did not have good intentions. And uh, and you know, there's we have lots of sort of examples of where that happened, and uh, and so you know that's alluded to uh, in the film, but then also the the ones who did have good intentions w- was alluded to, and in in sort of an interesting mix.
1: And one of the things I really loved about the film is that you take the time to sort of allude to the details of the 60s scoop and and sort of what happened to people, especially in in Raven's case. But you don't lay out like an entire diagram for the audience. You're not like, well, in 1961, this is what, you know, you know what I mean? Um, How did you figure out what the line was between alluding to it and kind of giving like a summary that people could go look up more if they were interested and totally leaving the audience in the dark?
2: Well, we did have those lines. They just were edited out.
1: Ah, <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think
2: that's, you know, that's that's Roz's genius right there at work. Because um, you 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 film lots, and then you see what works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't try to give everything away. It's yeah. a
0: balance. I also had an amazing editor um, that I worked with, Michelle Semberg, who just had a real gift in terms of, she just really got the story. She just told, so, so that, you know, there's all sorts of people involved with the film. It's a, it's a, it's such a collaboration. You know, you mentioned the music and the, you know, Barbara Kroll was amazing to work with because she did all the composing. So we had, it's like the beautiful music that we've got is composed for the film. And then we were able to get Buffy St. Marie's song. We are circling. I love. It's like the, the joyous moment of, this, of the film.
1: Initially, there's a lot of humor and lightness in this film, like, like that moment. How do you find those moments of, of brightness in the darkness? Like you said, uh, certain survivors were laughing in places that we wouldn't have seen that humor, certain lines. How do you find those things?
0: Well, well some of that is actually Raven writing the, that particular dialogue. That that's very specific, but uh, but I'm I I I hate people. You know I hate sort of hitting people over the head with something. I feel like if you have a, you know something that's a funny moment, it, I love it when you can make people laugh and make them to cry at the same time. Almost like it's like that that it's because it's otherwise it's too, way too earnest and and I just, I mean I would have had more funny moments if we weren't shooting in twelve days. Yeah, like we we just were we were moving so fast. So I, I did lose some of the some of the humor that was in the script in the in the process, for sure.
2: And for me, um, you know what I what I know from experience, lived experience, is that sometimes when life becomes really tough, the only thing you can do is laugh, hmm. and it's essential to 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 laugh and look at the absurdity of you know our human our human weaknesses, our human folly. And and because of that, you know, I wanted to I think the humor really helped to give give, you know, expand that depth and, and three dimensionality of of Raven's character in particular. I think it's just the way that people are. You know, we have we have our sort of little quirks and we all have a sense of humor, even when things aren't great. Yeah, we kinda of have to. It's and it's- the one the one the one scene that uh, that I I created and insisted on it being in was the one where 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 Raven you know she she flirts with going over the line of the uh, ankle monitor and in 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 one of the edits it was out and it just it really seemed to flatten the it didn't give people a break because the intensity the psychological and emotional intensity was really building at that point and Raven had been sort of one dimensional for a long time and I really. I really loved that scene, and I really wanted it in there because it showed it showed depth of her character. You know that she was she was playful and mischievous as well,
0: and that was yeah. kind of one of those moments where it's like, you know, of course they grew up together,
2: and then they and they would a brother and sister. They tease each other. That's what you do. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and it's a different context, but I think that it uh, it's still in there, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, it's sort of like a reprieve. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional and psychological reprieve. And it serves so many purposes. And, and one is, you know, poking fun at the situation and, and then uh, giving Raven that depth of, of character as well.
1: Yeah, and it's her, her own way to fight back as well, right? Her own little, like, this is how I can get you. And, I mean, she's just such a... Part of the, why why we love her so much is she's so mischievous. Like, she's smart, but she's got that little, like, quickness and cleverness to her. And, of course, it's played by Kara G, who has that beautiful, you know... She she's, has so much joy and life and effervescence to her that you can't help but fall in love with her as soon as you see her, but that's casting, right? Yeah. Well,
0: she, well, actually, I've I'd been, I'd been watching her in plays, and I had her in mind for some time, and then... I thought, oh, God, what happens if I give her the script and she doesn't like it? So I um, I finally did. And she, she read it and she said, this is a really important story. Mm-hmm. And she was amazing. She is an extraordinary actor. She really, and she works so hard. She's, she's really, you know, the, the, all the actors were actually. We, we were very, very, very lucky with the cast.
1: What would you like people to walk out of the film thinking about or feeling? Good
0: question. I think I think in order to move forward, in order for that there's any kind of, um, I think we need to take responsibility. I think the I think the settlers and you know, and I'm one of them. I think we need to step up. I think we need to say, oh, actually, well, I didn't know about this, but I'm going to find out about it because I'm constantly telling people about the sixty scoop and and. And people don't know, and I think we need to know. Why don't we know? It was it was a, it was it was taking people's children away from them is the it's the mo- one of the most cruel things you could ever do. I, I, you know, I I mean I thought about that a lot because you know when I had my son and I thought if somebody took my son away from me, I don't think I'd survive. I you know that was a terrible terrible thing that we that this country did. So. I think, I hope that we just say, okay, you know what, we'll stop blaming the pe- the people who were hurt by something and just have have a think about how we, we you know, we, we're responsible and we need
2: to step up. I think I would like people to, um, I would like it to challenge people's um, ignorance about, about our collective history. Um, but at the same time, you know, I would like people to have to have a message of hope, and it might not be an easy one, but the hope is that uh, you know that we be accountable for our our conduct with other with other human beings. Really, really terrible things can happen, and we can suffer for them. But but we can we can find reconciliation within ourselves. And uh, you know we're 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 left. I'm really happy that it's not sort of a happy walk into the sunset ending because, but I think that it's still a very hopeful one. And that, that's where, um, um that's where this, this, the plane song, you know, it is really powerful because it's, it's about finding your own, your own path. And survivors have had to do that every single one. And that path, you know, it's a, it's a rocky one. It's, Sort of one in between worlds, and it's a lonely one. So you know, her being her being alone in the car, and yet, yet you you have a sense that she's she's recon- reconciled something. We don't know what, um, and we also don't know sort of what the fallout is going to be for the family. But we know that they'll be moving forward in truth, as opposed to in in lies. Um, and to me, that's that's a good that's a positive message even if it's not an easy one
0: that is the most brilliant piece of speech writing right there that you've just said because that is exactly it. that's that's exactly it like if we can if we can move forward in with the truth and i'm not going to paraphrase you properly but i just that was i mean you just said that i just thought oh my god that is it like if if we if so i should have let you speak first you're better at this than i am a you know, real way with words.
1: That's why you collaborated, right? That's why you brought her on board. You have the initial idea. She fills in the blanks. That's how this works. Oh. Yeah. Thank you so much, ladies. Uh, just one more quick thing. Do you have any Canadian films that you would recommend that our audience check out?
0: Well, I was thinking of, of uh, Valerie Bahaja, who's um, got a film. Well, she's shooting a film in Malta right now. Um, and she's uh, an extraordinary friend, uh, friend of mine and filmmaker. And she did a film on a tiny, tiny budget called The Anniversary. And she did um, another film called Hard To Be Human. Hmm. And she's a very uh, unusual um, person, but um, I'm just so, it's been really tough for women directors to get the films financed in this country. And we're, there's a lot of changes happening, which is great. So the, the, you know, I would, I would say, Valerie, Jean-Marc Vallée, I love his work. Dallas Buyer Club. Um, he did a film called Crazy.
1: Oh, we covered that on the podcast. It's wonderful.
2: So I have a couple, please. And it's, interestingly, they're both from a, uh, a sixty-scoop um, person who um, is one of the ones who had a good experience, and uh, she's a filmmaker, Tasha Hubbard, and she she did a documentary with uh, Betty Ann Adam um, on on Betty Ann Adam. She's a she was a, a reporter in Saskatoon for years. And um on her story of reuniting with her siblings. And off the top of my head I can't remember the title. Do you know do you
0: know I'm what wrong? That. That's terrible, isn't it? I'm trying to remember the title too, because I absolutely loved
2: that film. And then she's also coming out she's come out with one that's uh played at um imaginative, I think. It's Life and Death in the Prairies. It's um it's about the killing of Colton Bushy. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So those are those are two that I would I would recommend. I mean the 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 reunion one is in real time, wow. And so uh,
1: I have three documentaries for her. One is Birth of a Family. One is Seven Minutes. And one is Two Worlds Colliding. Birth
2: family, family, Birth of a Family. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. the one that I just mentioned Life and Death in the Paris. It's um, it's just coming out now.
1: Perfect. Uh, now, Roz, just quickly, you mentioned um, the challenges women are having finding financing for their films here in Canada. Is that, you think, the, the prime issue for Canadian supporting artists or do you think there's there's more going on?
0: Um, no, I would say that's a big one. I think I think women have had a really, a really hard time. When you look at the stats of how many women directors have been been financed over the years, it's shocking. And they're now in the midst of um, getting parody at Telefilm, which is fantastic.
2: Time to get our applications in. <laughs> yes, exactly. And,
0: and, you know, so I just feel there's a lot more hope because that's one thing that's always driven me is to tell women's stories. You know, growing up with lots of, you know, stories where, where women were always the love interest. And, and I just thought, oh, I'm so tired of that. So it's, um, I think it's a very exciting time, actually, for, for women filmmakers right now. There's a lot more hope and opportunity.
1: Well, hopefully people check out your film. It's opening theatrically February 15th right here in Toronto, March 1st in Regina and March 8th in Saskatoon. Congratulations again to both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favourite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.